due to the type of interviews conducted, we are not recording in the studio. Some audio may not be clear. The goal of our Support Our White Troops segment is to bring light to the experiences of people of color and of members of the LGBTQ plus community that serve in the United States military. Thank you for listening to the American Dream Isn't Real podcast. Hello, this is M.E. Williams Books on the podcast, The American Dream Isn't Real, and thank you for listening. This segment is Support All White Troops. And today we have an airman. Don't say your name, but you can introduce yourself if you if you want. Yeah, I'll introduce myself. <laughs> A lot of people know me out here. I go by. So where are you from originally? North Carolina. North Carolina. Fayetteville. Okay. Greenville. Okay. Greenville. So you know J. Cole? Man. <laughs> Cole. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You know P.D. Pablo? You know... We we gotta support that man too, <laughs> North Carolina. Don't act like Pete Pablo ain't come first. He did, he did. <laughs> we supported him. We still need to. People, people doing wrong now that J Cole oh my flagship. God. Y'all doing wrong. I still play some throwbacks. Oh, <laughs> Just naming names. Just naming names. <laughs> so why did you join the military? Um, why did I join the military? Because I needed to get out of my mama's time, I was working three jobs. Wait, say, I don't think it's that funny. Oh. <clears throat> Are you going to edit this? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I might. Okay. It might be raw. We're going to have to hey, find out. no, that's how, that's how I be. <laughs> so, why well, I joined, I need to get out of my mama's crib at the time, and I really wanted to do school. I had, uh, I was going for computer science, a double bachelor's with computer science and mathematics. I was skilled in both of them, but I just couldn't afford it. I had a little scholarship, but it wasn't working. I didn't have a car. I was working three jobs, and my teachers were really trying to support me and, like, let me work. This is in your hometown or, like, somewhere else? This is in, like, North Carolina? Yeah, this is in North trying? Carolina, okay. but it was a city away. And uh, I just couldn't make it. My, like, some things happened where my mom promised me to use one of her two cars that she had. Mm-hmm. But she would take the keys to her Mercedes Benz and then drive <laughs> the other car. And after that happened a couple weeks, I was and me paying for my own classes, I was just like, she made so much money, I couldn't get it faster. Uh-huh. I couldn't get grants and stuff. And after that, I was just like, yeah, I need a reset. And what better place? And the military was on my bucket list. Okay. As, I don't know. A bucket list just do the right thing, I guess. But now that I'm in, I'm like, yeah. Wait, so what's your mom do? You said she made too much money? Yeah, she's a nurse. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And now she works the desk job of nurses. <laughs> around what year was this that you joined the military? 2013. February 4th. That's when I sold my soul. <laughs> Did you, how long were you in school then? Uh, what two, was and you two and a half years. Two and a half years? Two and a half years. Then you went to the military. Mm-hmm. And from 2013? Mm-hmm. So you've been in like a year longer than me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so from 2013 until I guess where we are now, Veteran in the game. What <laughs> what changes have you seen in the military? In the military. Since you joined, yes. When I joined, I was bright eyed, bushy tail and all that. Thought it was brotherhood and everything like that. Our first test school was the four four three forty four, aka the four four. It was like the hoodest test school oh you could go to. <laughs> Telling you, I loved it because it was brotherhood. It was like everything handled at the lowest level. 
uh-huh. everybody would be like, oh, we got a problem. You don't know how to show up for, for formation. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to tell the sergeant. We're going to handle it later. And someone come visit your door. And look, I, I respect that more than someone pulling a piece of paper. And then next, you know, they got a LOR or Article 15, depending on what the sergeant subjectively is feeling that day, which can screw a lot of people's career. Mm-hmm. Our chief, Master Sergeant Air Force, that man has a couple LORs and Article 15s. How's this man the leader, enlisted guy? But we can't. Screw a little closer to the mic. But now we can't. We we get an LOC. It's over. So you like the more. I guess even when you join it wasn't old school, old school, but you would prefer the old school way. I would prefer the old school way, except for people calling me a nigga. Sure. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Because then I'm, I'm probably going to get kicked out of the military. Uh huh. <laughs> so, I guess you would you say like your goal for joining the military was for the education? And it was on your bucket list also? You said you couldn't afford school. Right. And like a brotherhood out there, just to really feel included in some like big family. Everyone's okay. a part of some gang. That's. Uh, I don't think that's true. Nothing that's true. Part of some gang. Well, okay. Are you part of? Your, I guess, are you I part guess. of the Williams? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Williams. Uh-huh. Are you part of the the, the Williams tribe? Yes. Like yes. Tribalism. Yes, I would say so. I would say so. Actually, you know what? I've been thinking about that recently. So, because after I got married, I didn't want to change my name, mm-hmm. right? So I'm still Williams. People ask me all the time, like, why don't you want to change your name? All my, like, all my certificates are Williams. I was always, I've always been a Williams. Why? Why it's important for me to do that? You know, yeah. I feel like that's who I am. All right. So, I don't know. I think would you change your name? Would I change my name? It depends. You know, it may not be set. <laughs> But know. the reason I've been thinking about it recently because it's like also with reading and everything, Williams is not even my actual name. You know, like mm-hmm. if we like go back to before slavery, right? Like who, like who was I really? Yeah. Like, am I tripping because I don't want to change my name? But then it's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How you feel about name. your name? Do you feel like your name is your name? Like, or do you feel like? I feel like it depends what you make it. If you really go deep into it, you might be. Pulling out a lot of hurt feelings. I know. That's see, that's my issue. I've been thinking too much about it. Like, that's a good point though. But would I change my name? I mean, it's traditional that the lady takes the name. But then again, we live in a world where a lot of things aren't as traditional as it was. Yeah. I mean, even beyond that, like, I feel like I'm changing three or four times. It's like obviously Williams isn't my family name, uh-huh. like historically. Yeah. But I don't know what that is either. So if I'm changing my name again, I feel like I'm losing another part of like what I built to be myself. Mm-hmm. Would you want to just make something up or something new? I don't know. I don't even know if I want to do that. Because then like who would the kids be connected to? Who would they To a new dynasty? A new game. <laughs> okay. We're too far out of topic. Okay. <laughs> it just makes sense though, doesn't it? Because everyone belongs to a gang and then you can start something bigger. Uh-huh. And then next thing you know, your family be the uh the Rockefellers. Mm-hmm. So. That's why I can't talk to you. What's that? You be getting me off topic. <laughs> Not off topic. I just want you to be more open to. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. So you. 
they doing for a brotherhood school? I know uh, those were the main things. Uh, yeah, brotherhood. Those are the big things. Just, um, bucket list. That was oh yeah, your bucket list. Um. You think you like reach that goal? Uh, I'm about to get my degree in April, so yeah, I got the school down. Brotherhood to a to a degree because what what I thought was gonna happen would be like all of us, like you know, maybe a few people left out, but it's actually the opposite where a few people are your brothers and sisters, yeah, and everyone yeah. else you gotta. You got to stiff arm them real quick because everyone, at least in the community we work in, everyone's just trying to be nosy, trying to see what you're doing. And then they're going to go off the crash behind your back. And mm-hmm. act like like it recently happened to me. A guy texted my homegirl. Mm-hmm. My bad. A guy texted my homegirl, talking some mess. And then my homegirl screenshotted it to me and sent it to me. And, he, and then he's talking something totally different. That sounds more like high school. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's where we're at right now. So you don't think, besides, I guess, besides education, congratulations, by the way, April, oh, yeah. April oh, graduation. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. The brotherhood that you were seeking wasn't there. Not that I... Or it's smaller than what you thought it would be. Right. It's smaller okay. than what I thought it would be. It was, it was kind of a letdown, but again, it's what you make it. And the friends I got now, I'm pretty sure, like, I will actually go out to make go out of my way to talk to them later in life. Okay. You know, some people got friends where it's just like in a year you ain't gonna say what's up or nothing. Yeah. You probably as soon like you you know yeah, as yeah. soon as you cross <laughs> your gate you going through your phone like delete delete. <laughs> I think I learned that pretty early on because like so from tech school right you may be in tech school like a lot like different people in different fields mm-hmm. but then as soon as you leave you're not talking to nobody. True. So I feel like I kept myself pretty insulated from like the real and the fake. Mm. <laughs> it's okay to have acquaintances, you know. Would you say this is fake then? No. Are you saying that just because you're in my place of living? No. Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> I won't take it personal, please. please. I'm saying that I'm saying that I don't think this is fake. Obviously. Mm-hmm. I plan on to keep. With a smile on her face, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, M.E. Williams is playing my face. Oh, my goodness. In That's my not place true. Of That's not true. <laughs> okay. So, would you say those are, like, that's, is that, like, the only culture shift, I guess? Like, from the beginning of the conversation when you were saying you prefer when people, like, handle things at the lowest level versus paperwork. Yeah, I prefer if someone's really out of line, then why not be direct with them instead of like, because I guess it's a culture shock to me because the way I was raised and the way even jobs are in the South, it's just like, hey, if you're out of line, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get you back in. I'm going to get you right. Instead of just like, I feel like just paperwork is a sneaky type of way of doing business instead of, Mm. it's just like, hey, you messed up, just sign here, see you at work. Okay. It's not. It's not really. It's not really getting it across. I'm not saying just go up in there and do some wall to wall counseling and start bodying people, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's a it's an easier way to reach people. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a culture shock, especially when I see people of my own race do it, and 
They just, they, they sound like they're talking different. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to change the topic a little bit. Do you still watch NFL games? Be 100% since, honest. Since Kaepernick? Yes. I want to know. I watched the Super Bowl. I'm not going to lie. I watched the okay. Super Bowl. But will I watch it this year? Honestly, I haven't watched any sports like that except MMA since I joined the military. I don't got time. Okay. But would I would I decide to join? I mean, and watch the NFL. I feel like it's a very capitalistic business that just destroying people. And then, so you don't like capitalism? You're a socialist? No, just play. Oh wow! I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No, I'm just joking. No, go back to what you were saying. But you don't see like they didn't have the um. Didn't have the national anthem and all that, and uh, like military part of NFL like ten years ago. Uh-huh. I don't remember that. Like ten years ago. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I read. I think you're right. I think it just started happening when the DOD started giving the NFL money. That shit. Yeah. Capitalism. Yes. <laughs> Capitalism. Kaepernick was standing out, and they, the slave masters, aka the owners of the team. Had to ring his ass back in, and he was like, "Oh no, nah, I'm good." And the right thing would have been everyone else take that knee too, uh-huh. or say like some bigger names like Cam Newton take it, Marshawn uh-huh. Lynch. Well, I think Marshawn Lynch was doing that his whole career, but yeah, Lynch Lynch is his own his own entity. But say some bigger people, or say some white people too. What, what do you feel about Dak Prescott? Did you see what he said recently? What do you say? Pretty much like he'll he'll never protest that way. He think it's a he think he doesn't think it's the place. This is on views and what he what he what he stands for. You have to ask him that because he well, might. That's what he said. Well, that's an abbreviation of what he said. Right. And a but lot of he supports LeBron James. And a lot of people skew like information told. You know. You think I'm lying? I don't think you're. Lying. <laughs> I can say the media lies about ninety percent. What Denzel say? Would you rather be misinformed or uninformed? Mm, okay. But I can see where he'd come from if I had to sit down with him. Mm-hmm. Like, say, maybe he had a better way of doing it or a better idea. Mm-hmm. And maybe he wants, like, to come back and there's a better way to do it. But I think if he wanted that, he should say that. He shouldn't just say, this isn't the time or place. Because then you like, you're leaving that open. So yeah. I don't think you should assume that he wants Kevin to come back and he has a better way. How you know that he didn't say it and they just cut he it He didn't say it. Like, oh, you don't trust the media. No, no, like ESPN, um, on ESPN first take, Mike, what's his name, Mike Kellerman, he talked about uh, like the whole Kaepernick situation, race relations and all that. Mm-hmm. It was only on for that day and then they cut it off the air. They cut his part off okay. and you can only find it on YouTube. So, yeah. I, okay, so you don't trust the media. Most of me. Most. <laughs> I like to listen to it. Uh-huh. Nice to listen to it right now. Man. Okay. All right. Um, How do you feel about that? I about you, the about whole Kaepernick Dak, situation? Dak Prescott, Kaepernick. I think sometimes it's better to not say anything if you're not going to contribute to the full conversation. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe he has some good ideas, but he didn't say what that good idea was. Instead... Mm. His statement, unless the media cut it off, like you're saying, unless they did that, his statement, from what I saw, is still lopsided. Mm. So if he had a full, concise plan, I'd be like, okay, that's fine, that makes sense. But just to say, this isn't the time or place. What's it is the other half? 
Unless he said something else. Could have been his other half. <laughs> but what? yeah, okay. his other half. <laughs> Could have been his other half. See, <laughs> make that money. Well, that's the thing too. So I agree with you. <laughs> if everybody would have taken the knee, it maybe set out one or two games. Changed immediately. But I said this before. I can't pay them. If something negative happens to them, I can't pay them. The most I can do is like donate to Kaepernick's fund that he has. Otherwise, like if these people lose their livelihoods, how am I gonna help all of all of them, you know? All right. Millions of dollars. Yeah. So I think that's where I sit on the situation. But at the same time there is a lot of power in numbers. So if they all would have did it, I'm pretty sure they would have had an agreement by now, besides like the current agreement. Do you know what the current NFL rule is? It's uh if you're gonna do it, do it in a locker room. Yeah. Don't come on the field. Which doesn't make a difference. Because yeah, they're just not going to show your team. They're, <laughs> they're like, oh, three people out there? Yeah. All right, we're just going to show the other team. <laughs> but that's why I think the NBA has a stronger grasp. Like when they had the lockout and everything, mm-hmm. they got a stronger, I would say, understanding and union than the NFL. I think the NFL is really running a tight ship. And if it's like you go against the grain, we're going to get rid of it. I think more people in the NBA stand together than people in the NFL, though. Yeah. If just imagine it, if they would have all taken a knee. Oh, it would have been changed probably that day. Yeah. That day. They need that money. <laughs> exactly. Will ratings go down? For a little while. Oh, ratings were up. already down. They oh. recently, I think last year they went up. Mm. But they were already going down. Mm. So, from like, okay. So, I asked you about, kind of about Josh Hader. You said you didn't know as much about the situation. Mm-hmm. But pretty much, what do you think the difference is between Kaepernick Taking a knee peacefully, something that another person in the military told him to do. Because mm-hmm. at first he was sitting, mm-hmm. and he, he wanted to be respectful, so he took a knee. Josh Hader, on the other hand, <laughs> had racist comments, uh, comments against the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. and he gets a standing ovation. White privilege. That's, that's it. Is this dude white? Yeah, he, yeah, he I, is. I, I don't know him, but... You just, you just knew? Just, just off the gate, like... Because <laughs> you compared it to... And it just seemed like anything like where black kids at a lemonade stand, you got Becky over there on the cop, uh, calling the cops, and they coming there jacking the little kids up, but uh-huh. you got white kids, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> Entrepreneurship. Yeah. It's, it's white privilege in a sense, and not... How do I feel about it? It sucks. It really does. And it's like, as you said, we don't got the money to really protect these people. Mm-hmm. As like, um, like other members of society got to protect, what, Josh Hader? Mm-hmm. Josh Hader, that's a great name. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but as you see with what Zimmerman, he, yeah. they raised millions yeah, yeah. of dollars for yeah. him. Darren Wilson, too. I think he shot a. Mike Brown. Ridiculous. He had a whole donation thing. Yeah. Do we have that? Like, have you donated to Kaepernick's thing? I have, yeah. How much you donate to the cause? Like, 100 so far. 100. <laughs> that, that's that's outstanding. Because, like, <laughs> I bet if I ask every one of my family members and me, uh-huh. ain't no one donated. Do they know about it? I So, I know about it from Twitter. Oh, no. Because I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. But I haven't heard anything in, like, the news or anything about it. That's true. So how would people, if you're not on Twitter or if you're like an older, like how how do you get the information out? 
And who controls the news? And who controls the news? Exactly. Who controls? <laughs> Back to the your news. media. Back to your hate of media. Not even hate of media. It's just like how do you compare Josh? I mean, Josh Hader and Colin Kaepernick. Uh, social injustice. Um, the system will never change, and it's just like I feel like it's doing a whole circle. And it's about to get even worse. Mm. And next you know, there'll be another Malcolm X talking about the knife in the back situation mm. and progress, and it's not going to happen. Do you think Do you think people need one leader? As in, like, the president leading and making no, all the calls? No, I mean, like, you just mentioned Malcolm X. Like, it'll be another Malcolm X. Because uh, right now, I don't think there's, like, one specific leader. Mm. I think it's, like, just groups and pockets of people. But like, do you think there needs to be one leader? It depends, because that's, that's a lot of responsibility and power. Yeah. Because what if you get the wrong person? Or the lady head of NAACP. Thought oh. she was black forever. Who who, who ran this lady's background? <laughs> what if you have something like that? And then, you know, like with Malcolm X, they implanted FBI and CIA agents yeah. into it. So what if you got the one leader and then find out he was just with the, you know, Uncle Ruckus in disguise? Okay. That's, yeah, that's a little much. But would it? I feel like there should be... A hard stand of like maybe a few groups mm-hmm. that have like a say in it and a voting scale. Like even how I the think there are, I think there are a few groups now. I just don't think everybody's on the same page. Right. That's where the voting scale comes in. Mm. And then that comes in. Like that's how I feel like law should be instead of like you got these few politicians and everything doing it. How about the people can vote on it and fuck voting on the president? People do vote though. Not enough people for Congress, vote. for Senate, for your mayors. Well, they're supposed to have your interest at heart. It's, I think it's an individual's responsibility to check on an individual politician instead of vote for parties. Yeah. So if you go in there and you just vote straight Democrat, that's that's your fault because yeah. you didn't check those people's background. You didn't check what they really feel. You're just going based off parties instead of based on individual skills and merit. Even as politician, you can say like. Oh, I want to give free this or free that. Mm-hmm. But did you check that person's, like, where they're a governor at right now? Do they already have free health care? Mm-hmm. Like, has that person been fighting for free health care? Or is he just saying that to get you to vote for him? See, why should you even deal with that? Like, in that situation with Trump versus Hillary, everyone's mm-hmm. saying it's the lesser two evils. Who are you going to vote for? You, you know, can do write-ins. You can vote for a third party. Then it's almost like your vote wouldn't matter. Well, that's why, but that's why the cycle continues, though, because no one votes for anyone else because they're afraid that their vote doesn't count. I think their vote does matter because, say, like... Harambe say, had 20,000 votes. <laughs> I'm not talking about Harambe. I'm not talking about those people. I'm just, <laughs> this is the society we live in. That's why I'm like, why don't we vote on okay. the laws? Harambe. Um, we do vote on... So, like, say in, like, St. Louis, where I'm from, they'll ask people, like, do you want to extend the Metrolink system to whatever county. Mm-hmm. People vote on stuff like that. People get to vote on who your judge is. Right. If it is the individual person's fault, if they don't know their judges. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't vote for that stuff. They turn out for the big elections. Mm-hmm. But the small elections are just as important. Because right. the smaller elections are the ones that affect the community. Right. And I understand that. But you don't think people should vote for each individual? Each I don't think people vote. would. Oh, People ba- barely, barely vote for the president. Because then they'll just have like 
a whole like list of hundreds of laws yeah, to speak people, with this fight. Which is the reason we have representatives. They're supposed to have our best interest at heart. And if they don't, you're supposed to vote those people out. The issue is people don't vote now as it is. Do you think they're going to vote for like every single law? They are not going to do that. I promise you. Mm. So how do you feel about when J. Cole said we should have a system where I know where my tax money is going to? I think we should know where the money's going. I think there are too many earmarks or, yeah, whatever, like earmarks and stuff. But I think there's too much waste, wasteful spending in the government, period. Government. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead and get rid of contractors. Get rid of the RJ. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Get, I'm saying, what I'm saying is we could have free health care in this country. We could. Easily. We could. Capitalism. It is capitalism. <laughs> it's, it's more advantageous to treat than it is to cure. That's I true. got to get that paper. That's true. How does this turn to you interviewing me? No, I'm just <laughs> You know, I'd rather just be a dialogue. No, that's really fine. That's fine. No. So I usually say that you can ask. I usually, in being, I usually say that you all can ask me questions oh. the same. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. So that's good. No, I forgot to say that. So thank you. You're the first person who actually took me up on the offer oh, and, like, no. tested me. <laughs> I just want the, the viewers at home to know the real M.E. Williams. Okay, so before you mentioned, like, the lemonade stand. Yep. So, because what I'm thinking when I see stuff like that is the cause of it right now. Of course, we have people recording, so you see it more. We knew what was going on, but you see it more. Right. But also gentrification happening at, like, I think gentrification is going on at a massive amount all across the United States right now. So I think that's like that's why we're seeing it so often. Mm. What do you think? That's hard because I, I had that <laughs> conversation with my buddy and like the old school I used to go to UNCG. It was like like it was UNCG and across the railroad tracks, like 500 feet. It was the hood. Like this was straight gut. Yeah, in St. Louis we got something called the Delmar Divide. But now with gentrification. The hood is gone. Like more than half the hood's gone. They got these beautiful buildings. All this is it gone People or are... was it relocated? Were they dismissed oh. somewhere else? Oh, they're probably dismissed to the next spot, uh-huh. and it's congested. But so it, it leads me to a spot. Are we really fixing it, or just putting a bandaid over and? It's definitely of? a bandaid. Yeah. But like, how do you? I don't think. How do I feel about people just bum rushing out other neighborhoods and? Yeah. I mean, who sold them the property? Yeah, exactly. But why did they have to sell the property? Because they're already at a disadvantage. Because <laughs> because they may or may not have tenants who are lowering their value in the world's yeah. capitalistic. <laughs> about that. You're going to keep getting back to this? <laughs> because it, it ties a circle. If I uh-huh. if I own it, like let's say let's say I was just like trying to do stuff for the community. I bought 10 houses. I invested like a million dollars. My tenants come. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And next, you know, it slowly starts turning to like a little trap house here or something like that. And mm-hmm. it just gets worse and worse. And, you know, you try to approach them like, hey, brother, try, can we, you know, do well for the community, try to make this positive. And I understand when people are trying to like, like when when your back's against the wall and all you really know is how to like sell something mm-hmm. to get that paper. Mm-hmm. And say you got a record and you really, there's no jobs coming out. Like, say you already been to jail. You get out of jail, you got a letter saying, I'm a convicted uh, criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, you get $5,000 just for letting me work here, and I won't steal anything, or you get more <laughs> money. No, 
Like, my uncle had that. And I, it's like, I won't, like, it'll, it, it's a list of things they can't do, or? It's just those two things I remember, and it, it was depressing. But when you see that, then you correlate it to, like, basically the decks being stacked against them, mm-hmm. and you really start to understand why people just revert to what they used to do. Because if you don't got opportunities to really fix the problem, then yeah. they're going to go back. They're going to go back. And that goes back to, like, the property going down. After a while, it, some dude, some little slick businessman can come around. I just invested a million. He's like, hey, man, we know the property sucks right now. You invested a million. We'll give you 1.3. Yes, sir. Yes, it's sir. It's nothing wrong with making a neighborhood better. It's something wrong when people are forced out after living somewhere for, like, 30 years. So what would you suggest though? If they, if you try if you try and then you throw functions every year, I think and it's that, up to now the you getting old. I think it's up to the neighborhood. Right. I'm not blaming people for accepting the money. Yeah. That's going in America. That's going to happen. <laughs> Especially if your only options are accepting the money, or you're going to be evicted eventually anyway because they're going to keep raising the prices mm-hmm. every year. Your rent going to go up. Something going to go up. Mm-hmm. My solution is a long term solution. And that's investing in neighborhoods where people feel safe. And <laughs> that's that's a really long-term solution. Yeah. And I think, I told someone else, I think our generation is the most free so far. Mm. Between, like, our parents, our grandparents, I think we're the ones that can actually make a difference if we try it. If we wanted to. But most of us aren't trying. We're getting, like, parents today just like, y'all lazy. And we'll be in our phone most of the time. And but people are like, getting... It's that laziness. That's just a change of times, though. That's a change of times. If you look at, say, millennials, right? People treat millennials like they're kids. Millennials, the oldest millennials were like 30, 38 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Millennials aren't kids anymore. <laughs> they're working. They went to school. The issue came with, I guess you could say, capitalism. Because all the prices for everything is going up. So our parents thought, okay... Go get a degree, you're gonna be successful. Mm-hmm. You got that degree, but now it's not worth anything in this economy. Mm-hmm. So then what? Gotta find a hustle. Gotta find something you like, <laughs> something you really enjoy. Like what? That night you ever play Doodle Jump? No. That was made by it's a it's a little app on the game. It was made by like a ten or twelve year old mm-hmm. millionaire now. That's what I'm saying. Like you like you saying like, like people on the phone. Are lazy, but I'm saying it's just a different ooh, opportunity. Ooh, I think you skewed my words. <laughs> I said people are lazy. You'll see people, You'll see on, people the phone on the phone. Time. Okay. And that relates to like, say, okay, I was home and my grandma asked her granddaughter, Taya, to go do something. She's like, okay. She didn't even get up from the couch for like okay. 30 minutes. So I, I just interpreted that there wrong. I interpreted it wrong. I think you skewed it, but. No, okay. no, it wasn't. We're here with M. <laughs> this is my fault. So you okay? Okay, I see. No, I, just I was thinking the media as, or like technology, mm. as being better. But I see, like you're saying, it's a distraction. Yeah. In that example. It could be a distraction. Okay. All right. I see where you're coming from too. I agree on that. But back to that. Uh, back to. Invest in your neighborhood. How would you go about that? Cause say, say those tenants um, came in, mm-hmm. they didn't really have much going for them. And they just, you know, hard times just come. It's like when you get hit with hard times, it comes harder. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, what they come to you like? Hey, I don't got the money, but I'm gonna figure out something. 
think it's like remember what we were talking about earlier um with when other foreigners come to the country mm-hmm. and they'll stay in one place all together they don't mind mm-hmm. they'll open a business they'll all work in that one business together mm-hmm. i think that's what it comes down to and eventually you get the, that's why it's like what what did jay-z say like like Jewish people own communities. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. So you have like in your community, you have your own, you know, somebody who's a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. But you are everyone's helping each other. Right. And if you all decide to sell that community for more money, you're all doing it as a group, kind of. Right. But you're able to go to another community and still make the community better. Mm-hmm. The issue is, I know it's not that easy because the issue is black people are more targeted than other communities. Mm-hmm. So I think over time, in America, they've made it almost impossible for us to build anything. Because mm-hmm. once we start, we're treated like an enemy. Like Black Wall Street. They wow. bombed it. <laughs> bombed it. Yeah. So I'm not saying that... I don't, think it's, I, don't think it's our, like, I don't think it's our fault at all that we're in the circumstance that we're in. Because every time we try to build something, they take it away from us. So would would it be safe to say that a little bit of that is blaming the white man? Well, it's, it's their fault. Race, like race, racial issues built America. Give up though, or no? What's no. The, what's, so what's if I case? if I gave up, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I just want to see where your heart lies. No, I think you you keep trying, you keep building, and I think right now, like I said before, right now in history. They're more like, what, more black millionaires than any other time? Which makes sense, though, because there are more millionaires, period, than Mm -hmm. any other time. So I think right now is when we need to start building as a community. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to have a different way of going about doing that, but you still have to try. And this podcast is my way of trying something. (laughs) Try to incite somebody. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) Okay. So... With that being said, how do you like reconcile being a black man in America and serving in the military? It's hard. It's hard. Um, that's a tough question. It'll <laughs> bring up a lot of emotions. And uh-huh. Some days it's depressing, very depressing, because I wouldn't say you got put on a mask in the military. But I have I have a feeling, and I, I have you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like at least in our career field, when you go into work, they don't want to see the real the real you inside. I think what like, you're saying is you code switch. I code switch. Yes. No, I just stop talking to people. Okay. That's how I deal with it, and that's what I got. You go in and do your work. I go in, do my job, talk to other black people, leave. Uh-huh. Because when you go in, do your job, and try to talk to these white people, or try to talk to other races, the way you would talk to your culture, it, it can be misconstrued. Like, I think they, you're explaining code switching in a different way, though. How would you say code switching? Do you think, I feel like, what do you think code switching is? Have you ever heard the term first? Mm-mm. It Especially sounds like you're like, set tripping. No, code switching. It's like, basically, it's like, the way I'm talking to you right now, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't talk at work. Right, unless it was to me. <laughs> unless it was to you. And, and but at work, I'm like, 
hey, how are you? Everything's fine. It's right. like a little change in my voice. Whole it's new a, vernacular. Yes. That's kind of what code switching is. Would I say that? Because you, obviously you can't just not talk to white people. They're right. the majority in our mm-hmm. field. I would say, I would say sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would have to admit that to get what I need to get done. Mm-hmm. Or to get where I need to go. Because I try to say something. This guy, one of my supervisors used the term out of pocket. Mm. And, you know, he used it incorrectly. I tried <laughs> to explain it to him. And then he, he just was so confused and brushed out, yeah, man, and walked away. Uh-huh. And, I, and at that point, like it goes back to, like, I just try to do my job and get about it. Because uh-huh. <laughs> it's depressing. You're, you're, locked in a, you're locked in a building with no, no windows, no hope. Uh-huh. You're doing the same job day in, day out. Like I sit in the parking lot sometimes, just like, this is it. This is my life right now. Uh-huh. I messed up. Because <laughs> you like you, you think you had that brotherhood where you wouldn't have to code switch. You could just talk yeah, to people regularly. Just, yeah, yeah. But you know, there's some other black individuals that didn't code switch. They just forgot they were black. Oh. And I squashed them. You pretty cool with one. Oh. But hey. <laughs> Hey. I'm cool with everyone. Hey, it's cool. But I just switch up a little better than others. Cold switch, like crazy. <laughs> but, but how was it being a black man in the military? At first, it was... You it felt was, camaraderie? I felt camaraderie. It was dope. My MTI was black. Most of my um, most of my flight basic were uh, either black, Hispanic, or they grew up in the hood. Like oh, I was okay. just like, dang. Okay, the Air Force ain't that 98%, whatever. <laughs> I made it to test school, boy, it changed. <laughs> and, I mean, I adjusted. It was a very big culture shock. And my supervisor, I think my supervisor in Monterey, because he pulled me aside, and he noticed I was, like, struggling with trying to get used to it. Mm-hmm. And I was just frustrated with how people were doing business. Like, how would you say, like, okay, let's say a simple thing, like, you know when you gotta go to formation in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. You're right there. You're right there. One dude would just be like, "Hey, let me get you a 341." It's a for everyone that doesn't know, it's like a paper with your credentials on it and who your supervisor is, and basically they turn it into either applaud you for something or you gotta get that work. Yeah. And they're not even reasonable. Not even reasonable. But you know in your culture. That wouldn't happen. They'd be like, hey, man, let me see how 341. I could do it. But here we go. You know what I'm saying? And after a while, you just, at least to me, I I just had tons of doubt in the military or tons of doubt in the Air Force because most of my family, Army, Navy, I think one's in the Marines or out now, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they just talk about camaraderie and like, I can get it with the army because it's like it's got to be like eighty percent black in there. It's got it's got to be. And and then I talked to my uncles in the navy, and I mean I think the navy's just weird in general. But for him, it's like still camaraderie and tight. When I got here, I didn't. There was no camaraderie really until I like made it here and found a few friends. Think about this. I, I brought this up one day to someone in my office. It was a higher rank, and I was just like, hey. Um, I feel like your 
your EPR or my EPR should be a direct reflection of your leadership skills. So if I get less than a three or a promote or just get promote, mm-hmm. then you get the same score. Uh, no, that doesn't make sense because... Unless they got paperwork. Unless they got paperwork. No, so it still doesn't make bad. sense because, like, say you have, like, this leadership type or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you also have, like, say, six people who you're supervising. All six of those people will have to be, I guess, trained differently. Because mm-hmm. everyone doesn't follow the same leadership skills or, like, people People just learn different. People are different people. Mm-hmm. So, if I tell you, like, this is the best way to do this, right, mm-hmm. and you choose not to do it, that's not the leader fault. Like, the leader told you the best way to do it. And you as an individual chose a different way. I'm saying your way was wrong, mm-hmm. but maybe it wasn't the best way. Based on experience. Mm-hmm. That's not the leader's fault at that point. That's your fault for, like, mm, I can doing something else. But how about when you have these little sit-down meetings and you're like, hey, what do I need to do? Like, you specifically get in the face and be like, what do I need to do to get yeah. that four and five? Uh-huh. And you be like, all right, do all of this. And that yeah. guy does all of this and more. And That's the issue, then. And then, that's an issue. Yeah. And then, Obviously, that's an issue. <laughs> and then it comes back, and like they they wrote it. You you don't really know if they wrote it well or not. Yeah. Or yeah. Not. You're just like, all right, got it. How did I get a three? And why did you and not you, mark me like, four and five when this. I said? Yeah. We had an understanding. They're like, hey, dog, that's just how it goes. But like, no, you told me to do well, all this. It's not the super. So the supervisor doesn't decide what you get. But on the side, though, marking it. Oh, so, yeah. They decide that. They right. do. Yeah, yeah. So, so, at that point, that's the supervisor's fault. And if you just, like, just chalk it up, then I feel like... No, that's the supervisor's fault. In that, yeah. in that case, you are right. <laughs> and that's just how it is now. And, or at least that's how it is in our community. And it, mm-hmm. it sucks. It, it sucks. But being black in the Air Force, I don't know. Do I feel like it's... Who was it? Someone in our squadron said to me, the only way all these gripes and complaints will be fixed is if we stayed around. But 95 to 99% of us are getting out because of some shit. I'm separating. Separating. I'm getting out. <laughs> like, I don't know one black person to stand in. I'm trying to think. I know people who might stay in, depending on how some things go. It ain't going to go that way. So they get out. They get out. Well, some people, I think, I think I told you like, so I, I think, I had several choices when I joined. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, my main goal was to pay off my student loans. Mm-hmm. That was my main goal. Did you reach? I did reach that goal. Yes. Hey. Yes. So my main goal was to pay off my student loans. Paid off my student loans, and I'm getting out. So I kind of stuck to what I said I wanted to do. Right. But for some people, you kind of get caught up. A little bit. Maybe your goal was to go to school. Right. And then four years or six years, like I contract six years, maybe they didn't finish school. So then they re-enlist. Okay. They keep re-enlisting for whatever reason. Right. I think that happens to people too. And they stuck. And they, they get stuck. Because then you went in for 10 years you're like, well, I got this other 10 let me retire. <laughs> or you hit your 10. Some people hit their 10 and they're like, alright, I'm either getting in or, or I'm either staying in or I'm getting out. Because after you hit, like, 14 or 15, then what are you getting out for? <laughs> That's what someone in our office says. He's like, yeah. I'm tired of it. Yeah, he had the 10-year? He's at 14. He's at 14, and he's getting out? 
he's going to reserves, but okay, well, yeah. But he's just like, like, can't do it anymore. There has to be a problem, and I feel like someone should look into it. I think the current chief of sergeant Air Force is looking into it. Of of intel, or not just intel, but the airports as a whole. I really like when he. Came, I think he's changing things. You don't think he's changing things? I think he's changing things. And I, I agree with most of the things he's changing. I really just want to have a sit down with him and talk to him. It's like with well, J. Cole, I don't want a picture. I just want to talk to him. <laughs> and I think J. I think how about say J. Cole? I think Chief Wright is one of those people who would listen. I've like sat in on like a couple meetings with him, or not one on one, but like as a group. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's pretty open mm-hmm. to changing what people are saying. Mm-hmm. I think he's done it so far. Like especially with like I know for you it probably don't matter, but like. Having locks, women able to like have like less than an inch of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at ALS, he came and spoke to our group, and he said he was changing like our like the women's pants, because mm-hmm. um, our pockets and stuff. I know you don't have that issue, but it's tight or something. They don't give us enough pockets. Like y'all got pockets everywhere. We don't oh. have. We don't get. We don't get that luxury. Y'all ain't working. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. <laughs> so he's changing stuff like that, and I think those like small things make a difference. Mm. Like I would have been more like if I would have like instead of having to shave my locks when I joined the military, mm. that initially like made me feel like I wasn't welcome because I had to cut my hair because it wasn't accepted in the military already. Like just joining, just putting my foot in, made me feel like I wasn't welcome. What about for guys that got like you know the nice high top juice cut? Well, all the men have to cut their hair. It wasn't like it oh, wasn't yeah. like one type of like woman's hairstyle. What like like white girls' hair is just straight or whatever. My hair doesn't go straight down. Yeah. So if I have to be in a certain bulk and size, what are you doing to help me stay that way? All right. <laughs> That's true. So I don't know. I think like little changes like that is making a difference. Mm-hmm. And they're taking away a lot of like the computer training and like. Yeah, they need to burn that whole program. It's <laughs> half the time the website doesn't work. Half the time, more than half the time. Back to Chief Wright, though. How would you feel, like, if you, if you sat down, what, what would you think his response would be? Like, sir, I've noticed that in my career field, at least in my squadron alone, there are around 20 black people mm-hmm. that are lower enlisted, staff sergeant below, mm-hmm. and 18 are getting out. You think there's a problem? I think he would see the problem. Because he would he's, see the problem? I think, I think so, because I think he would know the problem. And I'm saying this because his focus is on family and making, like, airmen is, like, wanting to stay in more. Mm. Like, his whole focus is on, like, making people better. Like, he talks about mental health. He talks about uh, just more support for, like, the everyday airmen. All right. So I think he would definitely see where you coming from? But how can you get mental support or everyday support when you got like all these missions, all these requirements, and all this stuff? Well, I, can't I think I think my... I think that's why they're change, trying to change some things. Oh. It's not going to take a year. It's going to obviously military is too big. Like probably so like it took our commander like a couple <laughs> months and he's stripping everything down. Well, our squadron though. But if you think about the chief, he has to change stuff on a entire like mm. you know the entire air force. That's true, but what what was uh what you think his answer would be if I was like, sir, I think I did everything I did I could do, and I thought I had an understanding with my supervisor. 
ain't trying to cause no ruffles, but I just want to know your perspective. Do you think this is a boys' club, or where you got no sworn or get in where you fit in, or what I got to do to get that four or five? I don't know what he would say for that, hmm. but you know they are trying to make the whole system. I, I would them. ask him that in front of his little cronies, the crew, and I know they write my name down and go straight to chief. <laughs> I'd be like this, chief. I got nothing to lose, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't really have an answer for that. I think right now they're doing because I don't know how it would change. So you have your EPR, you have your testing, mm-hmm. you have your like medals and accommodations or whatever that all gets counted. Subjective. It's, it is because all the stuff. Well, your supervisor has to, have to write those too, right? Yep. Um, the only thing that you can do on your own is the test. If you're not a good test taker, then that yeah. yeah. So I mean, I don't have another solution for that. <laughs> exactly. Maybe he does. Maybe that's why he like he makes the big bucks, you know. Okay. Um. Anyway, with all that being said, mm-hmm. you say you're getting out soon. So what are your future goals? Like, let's see, April, you're going to have your degree. If you don't have your degree, are you going to stay in? Oh, no, I got to go. I got to go. Either we way. got the GI Bill. It's good. The True. money's there. I've been saving up <laughs> money for three years. Okay. So I, I made sure because it's just like, you know, I felt disrespected on many occasions. And uh, we... Everyone, like my mentors that were black, that well, they still are black, but they got out <laughs> and everything. They're like, just wait till your first deployment. It'll be great. You might like this it. And yeah, that. yeah. I got on my first deployment, and my flight chief at the time just disrespected me and said I'm lazy to the management without mm-hmm. me being there or saying, like, not even directly. So now everybody's opinion of you is you lazy? Management, yeah. Instead and, of getting their own opinion. And at the end of the trip, the management of AMS was just like, hey, I had this whole thing wrong. I thought you were lazy. I thought you didn't want to do nothing. Okay. And I'm right here like, that's why it's like a culture shock. I like the more direct. If you, yeah, I, yeah. I see, like, it, he should have came to you and said, this is what I know is going on. And then you could have explained. Exactly. Versus him going behind you and like saying stuff about you that you don't even know until. Nothing went on. Like, yeah. This was like day one. <laughs> So, like this is me okay. getting off the getting off the uh getting off the jet like making my way downtown <laughs> and I get hit upside the head with that and it's just like and I think it's a bigger issue in our field too because it's small perspective is everything yeah like it's small so now everybody has this opinion of you and now you have to work to change that opinion work even though well, it was fought, like a fake opinion like you have to change that opinion of you now. Yeah, and I, I talked to my first time about that, like, we're doing something to get that guy out of here, that finally got him out of here, but it's like, my pain is done. You know, we got to work twice as hard to get what they get, so me and that boat, I got to work four times as hard. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me when I first came to this base that when people get out of the military, he asked them, like, who? Who's making it out? Not like, why are you getting out? Because he said it's always, like, a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They help you come to your decision to get out of the military. I wouldn't say just one person. I say I just got more. I I would say myself is making me get out. Mm. Like I feel like I got more opportunities. And while I'm young, why not take a risk on myself? Do what I want to do? Yeah. And like cybersecurity, that's what I'm really looking into. Software development, I want to work in gaming companies as well. So I can't do those those jobs, like both those jobs, will probably take five years into it. And then if I want to switch another five to ten, mm-hmm. and I can't. Well, if you stayed in the military, if I stay in the military, I'd be forty to fifty, and then it's just like I get out, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna, 
what am I going to do now when I grow up? <laughs> 40, 50, I might have kids at the time, a wife, probably a mortgage or two mortgages, and what am I going to do? I mean, I know Chief Fry is trying to make it where, like, you can stay in indefinitely, mm-hmm. but, hey, that may or may not 